0: Angie Coombs The waterfall journey essential for travelers Trust and Faith This has been a time of great shock in our nation. Of course, we have known it was coming, but that has not lessened the shock of the death of our beloved Queen Elizabeth. For most people in this nation have only known her as Queen, as she has reigned for over 70 years. Throughout that time, she has professed Christ, as she promised to do so at her coronation, and has faithfully modelled the teaching and the life of Christ. Times of great change in earthly realms afford opportunities for the devil and the dark forces of the heavenly realms, to advance if we leave voids and gaps. Thus the death of the Queen and the seismic shift that that represents in both temporal and spiritual realms demands reflection and prayer. We are choosing beings. We can choose what or who we put our trust in. Trust is the decision and the action of taking a risk in another person or thing. Faith then builds as the thing that we have chosen proves trustworthy. Faith builds as the consequences of trusting and reaps the surety, safety and confidence of finding the truth in action. Not everybody chooses wisely what to trust. Wisdom is needed. We have learnt in the waterfall journey that God has a story and he has invited us to bring our story into his. He has plans and purposes and we have our part to play in them. As we abide in the presence of the Father, he wants us to trust him absolutely. But it's a two-way street. He wants to trust us too with our part in his story and to trust us with how we will accomplish that calling. Queen Elizabeth chose to trust God, and she played her part and accomplished her role for the kingdom of God, faithfully upholding the ways of Jesus. What is remarkable in all the tributes that are being made to the Queen is her faithfulness in standing for duty, devotion and diligence throughout her reign. There is not a dissenting voice. Queen Elizabeth was universally respected and it was the light of her very being that impacted her people and the nations around the world. Where did the light come from? At her coronation in June, 1953, she made three solemn promises to govern appropriately, to maintain justice, and to profess Christ. On Christmas day in 1952, the Queen asked, pray for me that God will give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making and that I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. At the Queen's coronation the following year in June, She was presented with the Bible, with the following words. We present you with this book, The Most Valuable Thing That The World Affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. And in her millennium broadcast, Christmas 2000, she said, To me the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I tried to leave my life. This led to Liz trust in her address on the death of the Queen, saying, The Queen was the rock on which modern Britain is built. Queen Elizabeth was a rock because she was modelling the rock of Jesus Christ to the nation. She lived out her faith. Now Charles, as he takes up the mantle of kingship, has professed himself to the leading and guiding of God. The process of accession means that there is a seamless transition in matters temporal and we all play a part in holding the spiritual realms, planting the standard of the King of Kings in the skies above our land. I love mountaineering from my armchair, of course, and I followed the season on Everest. Climbing has changed so much. This year there was a record number of summits. Many of those who climbed had very little experience. But mountaineering now is about fixing ropes to the summit. And many climbers have one or two Sherpas to support them to the top with limitless oxygen. Still, deaths happen. Ropes are renewed year by year, but in snow and ice it is often difficult to tell which is an old rope and which is the new. Many deaths have occurred over the years when mountaineers have chosen to put their trust in the wrong rope. God is not a survival rope. Following Jesus, living in the presence of the Father, putting our trust in the nature, the word, and the character of God. We put our trust in the fact that He is present, both all seeing and involved in the very fabric of our lives. He has power. We put our trust in the promises that He has made. He has command of the big picture and He is alive to the present moment. Amazingly knowing where each of us is and our needs, our hopes and our dreams. He knows he has plans and purposes to do us good and not to do us harm, to fulfill his purpose through us. Are we going to trust him with all we have and all we are? I had a great talk with my grandson this week in which he asked, is God alive? It's a great question to which we need to be able to say with absolute surety, yes, Jesus lives. Martin Luther was observed in a time of trouble, tracing on a table with his finger, he lives, he lives. What marks down the sort of Christian we turn out to be is whether we believe in the livingness of God or whether he is just a character in a good book. Jesus is alive. How does God come alive for you? Jesus says in John 14, I and my Father are one. Obey my commands and we will come and make our home with you. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will relay everything that he wants to teach us. And again, we have learnt in the waterfall, abiding in the presence of the Father, that we have the ability to hear and know the Word of God when he speaks to us. Plus we have the evidence of the Bible, his nature and his character. Asa was a king of Judah who revered God. He trusted both in the power of God and that the living God would come to his aid in a moment of danger. From 2 Chronicles 14 beginning at verse 11 Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah equipped with large shields and with spears and 280,000 from Benjamin armed with small shields and with bows all these were brave fighting men Zerah the Cushite marched out against them with an army of thousands upon thousands and three hundred chariots and came as far as Marashah. Esa went out to meet him and they took up battle positions in the valley of Zephatha, near Marashah. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us Lord our God for we rely on you and in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled and Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell, they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. The men of Judah carried off a large amount of plunder. They destroyed all the villages around Gerar for the terror of the Lord had fallen on them. They looted all these villages since there was much plunder there. They also attacked the camps of the herders and carried off droves of sheep and goats and camels. Then they returned to Jerusalem. Asa believed in the aliveness of God to do something now. He puts God between himself and the problem. God between his forces and the enemy. What was needed was an army and that's what they got. The Cushites were defeated by the Lord and his forces. The army of Judah and Asa carried off the plunder. One man's righteous prayer affords much. We can learn and do this too, to put our trust in God, to put Him between us and our difficulties, to look to Him for His outcome. In the relationship with the Father that is open before all of us, trusting and obeying, He will build our faith in who He is, And when we believe what he says in his word, his nature, and his character, we will see his truth in action. He is alive, listening, present wherever you are. With the living God between you and the problem, can you doubt the outcome?